0: Welcome to the Mini Break, your day podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, October 9th. What a pleasure it was for our Crack Rackets team to be able to shine a spotlight on the first major college tennis event of the new season. The 2023 ITA All Americans are now a Officially in the books. A congratulations to Mary Stoyana of Texas A&M, Elliot Spazieri of Texas. Those were your two singles champions. In doubles, it was Donna Guzman, Alina Shishirbina of Oklahoma, Robert Cash, and J.J. Tracy of Ohio State taking the titles. If you're interested in learning more about those events, in hearing our recap of all of the action, check out the Great Shot podcast feed on Tuesday. Myself, John J. Parsons, is going to be recapping the ITA Division I women's event, of course, over on his podcast feed. The No Ad No Problem podcast will be breaking down the All-American Men's Results. So a massive thank you again to the ITA. Thank you to all of you listeners who tuned in into our coverage if for some reason you'd like to go watch the replays you can do so as they're housed on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel a channel by the way you should subscribe to if you haven't already that said given we were doing 12-hour broadcast days for that All-American Championship event we were unable to podcast about so much that has unfolded over the last five, six days in the tennis world, you had Yannick Sinner getting his first victory over Daniil Medvedev, winning the title in Beijing. Iga Swiatek winning the 1,000-level event there as well. Rabakina beating Sabalenka in the quarterfinals. Swiatek beating Goff in the semifinals. Samsonova making the freaking final. A lot of meat on the bone as it relates to Beijing storylines, things I'd like to discuss here on this podcast. That said, I'm going to ask for a little bit more patience for from all of you listeners. Excuse me. There are so many different storylines I'd like to explore. It's always nice for me for, to have someone on this show to bounce them off of. So, David Kane will be joining me on Tuesday to recap all things Beijing, again, explore every storyline we might have missed over the past few days. So be on the lookout for that podcast to drop Tuesday around 4, 5, 6 p.m.-ish, right as you are making your commute back from wherever it is spent your day. On this podcast, I want to offer you all an update on the biggest event happening right now in the tennis world. That, of course, is the 1,000-level. ATP action happening in Shanghai. We've had so many different results unfold that have piqued my interest. 12 seeds upset in round number two. I have three and a half seeds listed as my upsets in round number three. Certainly Korda over Medvedev, something for us to discuss. Umber over Tsitsipas in upset. But again, given their Respective recent form of late. I don't know how shocking that result is. You also had Dimitrov over Hachinov, a upset by seed, certainly not an upset by recent form. Fritz getting knocked out by Diego Schwartzman is absolutely an upset. So again, three and a half-ish round three upsets to go with the 12 we saw in round number two. Our round of 16 is now set. And of course, we've got plenty of juice despite some of the early upsets. Carlos Alcaraz still alive. Yannick Sinner still alive. And then of course, all those candidates vying for the title in my mind of who's the sixth best player in the world right now on the men's side. I... As I have said repeatedly of late, I think the top five is pretty clear. Djokovic, Alcarez, Sinner, Medvedev, not necessarily in that order. Zverev as well. Who's six? Is it a Kasparud, who's looked pretty darn good so far in Shanghai? Is it an Andre Rublev, has probably racked up the most consistent season of any of the candidates for number six, and I believe has, or continues to close in on wrapping up a spot he hasn't yet, but is closing in on securing his spot in the tour finals You know, both of those men still alive. You've got some outside candidates, certainly on hard courts. Tommy Paul has looked like one of the 10 best players in the world. Grigor Dimitrov's form of late. He isn't number five in that top 10 list, but he might be eight, nine, 10 right now, given his recent form. And then again, a lot of fun storylines that have emerged at various points of the year coming to ahead here at this event, you have another Ben Shelton run. Quietly, probably his best non-slam result of the season, making the round of 16 in Shanghai. You've got a guy like Sebi Korda, who had so much to 50 level success of late. That finally translates here to Shanghai with a straight-set victory over number two, Daniil Medvedev. Guys like Fabian Marazan. There's a name we haven't heard since he beat Carlos Alcaraz during the clay court season. J.J. Wolfe having a moment. Nicolas Yari continuing to have a career breakout season. And then, of course, the coup de grace, the feel-good story of the week. I apologize, it's not J.J. Wolf. Should have mentioned him earlier. No, of course, it's Diego Schwartzman. His most relevant week at a major event of the season for him to beat Taylor Fritz in the fashion that he did, for him to beat Yuri Lachetschka in the fashion he did. Hell, for him to beat Luka Van Asha. In round number one, in the 3 cent fashion that he did for a guy who had fallen and is still outside the top 100 in the live rankings, what a week for the 31-year-old. It's a six-minute intro. That's a testament to how much we have to discuss here on today's show. And again, we're saving Beijing for David Kane tomorrow. We're saving all Americans for the Great Shot Podcast feed, as well as John Parsons' No Ad, No Problem feed. We're saving all Challenger thoughts for Damian Koost on the Great Shot Podcast feed. On this show, I want to offer you all an update on Shanghai with, again, more still to come. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day-in, day-out here on this show, or at least when we don't have 12-hour broadcast days, day-in, day-out here on this podcast. It's because of the support we get from all of you listeners. Again, to any of you who checked out our broadcast of the ITL Americans, a massive thank you to you. It's because you continue to tune in that we have opportunities to expand what we want to do here at Cracked Rackets. Provide the sort of coverage that all levels of tennis deserve, not just the 1,000-level events, not just the tour-level action, the slams, but challengers, futures, college, juniors, we love it all. We try to shine a spotlight on it all. A thank you to you listeners who continue to tune in day in, day out to make those opportunities possible. A thank you to the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point as well, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right, let's go round by round of what we've seen on the men's side in Shanghai so far. 12 upsets in round number two. I know that's not explicitly round number one talk. Truth be told, I looked through all of our round one results. Could I do three minutes on Roman Cefiolin? I feel like I've done 30 minutes on Cefiolin over the past month and a half. Just look, he's got top 50, top 30, maybe even top 20 level hardcore Uh, Top 20 level hardcourt skill set, his ability to drive through the ball, his ability to finish points at the net, his ability to change direction, how fluid he is in the corners. I know he's not the biggest guy, but... Man, he uses his quickness so well to beat you to the spot. It was a really high level from him in round number one to knock off Andy Murray, three and two. Again, on paper, you're like, ooh, that's a tough loss for Murray. It's not. That's how well Safulin has played of late. Of course, he reaches that final in Chengdu a few weeks ago, beating Evans, beating Musetti before getting knocked off by Zverev in three sets. Of course, Safulin went on to provide one of those 12 round two upsets, a straight set three and one win. He dominated Sasha Zverev. Uh, in their round of 32 battle. And look, he won 89% of his first serve points. He was ready for the Zverev matchup. Obviously, he had faced it in the prior event. He knew, you know, again, when you have Zverev pushed 12 feet back, the only way you're digging yourself out of a point is to move forward and to hit a confident approach, a decisive volley. Otherwise, Zverev's going to extend the rally. That's what Safulin was. He was confident. He was decisive. And I said round of 32 battle with Savirov. Excuse me, round of 64 battle where Safulin gets the victory. Again, you look for Romo. He's won 17 matches this year at the tour level. That's about double his career high, which last season was nine total victories. You look for Safulin now. He's currently sitting at 42 in the live rankings. It's one off his career high. Yes, he gets knocked off by Ben Shelton in three sets in round of 32, round number three, which, by the way, might quietly be Ben's best non—not quietly. That is Ben's best non-Slam victory of the season because he—I mean, again, it was one of those matches where Ben just kept on swinging, and because he has that elite firepower—you see how all these thoughts are blending together? That's going to be the theme of today's show more broadly than anything else, but— Sifulin so asks every question. Sifulin so can absorb pace as well as anyone, and yet these these courts are a little slower. It feels like they are a little higher bouncing. It feels Indian Wells light-esque conditions, and man, Shelton's kick— You give him that much more time to have the opportunity to swing through the forehand, his ability, regardless of the speed of the court, because he's so confident moving forward to finish points at the net. I mean, he played so decisively. So Fulham was broken twice, once in set number two, once in set number three. That was enough for Shelton to win in three sets. Again, Ben, now 20 in the live rankings. That's crazy to me. He's 18th in the points race. There are four Americans in the top 18, Fritz, Paul, Tiafo, Sheldon. He's 20th in the live rankings. Ben's won main draw matches this year at how many tour-level events? He won at Australia, Indian Wells, Estoril, Barcelona, Queens Club, Wimbledon, Canada, cincy u.s open shanghai so he's won first round matches at 10 events but how many events has he won multiple matches this year at the tour level australia u.s open and now here in shanghai slam slam 1000 level event that's captain clutch again you look for ben this season 21 and 23 overall he's under 500 he's 20 in the world Speaks to his peak, what that looks like. Again, he was broken once against Sifulin, 4-4 four and four against Munar in round number two. He's seeded 19th in this event, obviously playing this Asian swing for the first time. He was not one of the seed's upset. He looked spectacular ending the run of Sifulin. But again, if Sifulin makes a round of 16, a quarterfinal in Australia— the only ones will be sh- that will be shocked will be the people who haven't been paying attention because that's how good he's been of late. It's a bit of a schedule loss for Zverev, who just never had his rhythm, but great win for And again, providing one of our 12 round two upsets. The other seed's upset will rapid fire through them. Third seeded Holgeruna just played bad against Brandon Nakashima. Didn't have it at any point of the match, and... By the way, I know I skipped through the rest of round number one. Schwartzman over in three sets. We'll talk about him more later. Watanuki three sets over Jerry Shang. That was a really fun match. Again, Yasuki Watanuki has done so much winning this season. You look for him across net levels now. Watanuki 36 and 19 overall on the season. He's currently sitting at a new career high 71 in the live rankings. Not too shabby for the 25-year-old. Matteo Arnaldi, another story is he got knocked out in round two by J.J. Wolf, but talk about consolidating his spot in the top 50 after making the round of 16, beating Nori at the U.S. Open. He's 43 now in the live rankings. And, you know, again, one off his career high, 22 years old in a perfect spot. Entering next season. That was, you know, again, Lajevic beat Wawrinka. That would have been relevant more than half a decade ago. Jun Zheng, one and two over Gasquet. That really sets up round number two, where again, 12 upsets overall. Runa knocked out in straight sets by Brandon Nakashima. A win-two result. The unforced errors just piled up. Hogaruna wasn't there. And it just felt like Brandon did enough with his first ball to get Runa stretched. And then when Runa tried to be aggressive, he'd either make a loose unforced error. Brandon would dip the pass and you know, again, Runa would do something sloppy with the first volley. So it's a credit to a branded Nakashima who's needed some wins. And even in making the round of 32 here in Shanghai, Nakashima still 130 in the world, has just struggled this year with injuries, with form. Again, did well. I thought. To make a third round here and did well to at least ask all the right questions of Runa. But that's a Holger Runa who's still struggling with his form, who's dealt with a bunch of injuries here in the back half of the season. Yes, he has a lot of points to defend, including that Paris title to end the year. But as I said with Gil Gross on Monday Match Analysis, Holger Runa has answered all my questions for the season. Everything else is gravy. He's going to be 20 years old. and He's going to finish the world in, uh, inside the top 12, let alone the top 10, which again, I'm He's pretty certain to finish in uh Hogaruna knocked out by Nakashima. Francis Tiafo knocked out three sets by Lorenzo Sonego. disappointing for Tiafo Senego does that not nothing extraordinarily compelling about that result. You know, Cam Norrie continues to struggle. Three set loss, 7-6 in the third to J.J. Wolf. Big result for J.J. Wolf, who I think is pretty clearly one of the 25 best players in the world on hard courts. You look for Wolf overall this season, 28-22 and 22. Uh, 25 and 21 when he's played tour level events. 17 of those 25 victories coming on hard courts. 8 and 8 on natural surfaces. 17 and 13 overall on hard courts. He made a semifinal in Dallas, a semifinal in Atlanta, quarterfinal in D.C. Now, round of 16 here in Shanghai. Round of 16, obviously, at the Australian Open to start the year as well. That five set loss to Zheng Zhizhen, first round of the U.S. Open, one of the more difficult first round draws of any match considering Zheng Zhen has also proven himself not just to be one of I think one of the 50 best players in the world this season you look for Zheng Zhizhen 26 years old currently 57 in the live rankings 54 in the points race he gets wins at this event again impressively uh Knocks out a seed, of course. Does Zhang Zhizhen uh, in Tomas Martin Etcheverry six four in the third in round number two. Of course, round number three follows that up with the six and two win over Nakashima. You look at some of his Masters results this season for Zhang Zhizhen, who now with this result, I believe twenty nine in twenty seven has snuck his way now over five hundred to a. gets to do it on home soil. I imagine that's extraordinarily exciting. But you know, again, you look at his significant results. Madrid Masters quarterfinals. What, uh, Hamburg 500 semifinals makes third round at Roland Garros, third round U.S. Open, now round of 16 in Shanghai. I think he has been one of the 50 best players in the world. His weapons hit through any court and give him a little extra time again, but... can just be so definitive. I was not particularly shocked to see his upset of Echeverria, although, again, that was as competitive of a match as expected. I do think Echeverria's played better hard court ball this season, even if the results haven't necessarily been there. Uh, Again... In terms of the upsets, Musetti knocked down straight sets by the qualifier, uh, Yosu Su. That was for sure the most surprising of the results. Struff still struggling to find his form. He was knocked off 6-4 in the third by Arnaldi. Again, I don't think that's a bad loss at all, given the young Italian's form of late. 23rd seeded Greek Spoor knocked out in round number two, forced to retire against Dusan Lajevic. Unfortunately, yeah, he has dealt with injury issues throughout the season. Last few upsets, Arthur Fee over Davidovic Fokina. Arthur Fee is going to be everyone's candidate to be the breakout star of the 2023 season. And yes, he got knocked out in three sets by Tommy Paul in round number three, but he fought off set points in that second set breaker. His weapons are ridiculous. The slower the surface, the more explosive he seems. I mean, just has all the skills, has the movement, has the fluidity, has the first serve, just waiting on the consistency. And that's the certainly the thing that more than anything else comes with experience with time when you know how to pick your spots better i mean again guy is a future superstar in my opinion. A superstar might be a stretch but he's a future top 10 player and i suppose take with that what you will the first time in a long time i can say that about a, a french men's tennis prospect so again he provided one of your upsets knocking off uh Excuse me, Arthur Fee knocking off Alejandro Davidovich-Fokina. Lachachka knocked out in three by Schwarzman. Uh, and then the last one in round, last two I want to talk about in round number two, Fabian Marazan, three and five over Demonauer. Look, Marazan gets hot, man. Slow surface when he can swing freely, obviously gets that one over Hour, takes advantage of the Laievich round three matchup, three and three there. You look for Fabian Marazan. Now the 24-year-old's up to a new career high, 77 in the world. Get to know his name. Get to know his game style. We'll talk about him a little bit more later. The other upset in the last round two matchup I really want to lock in on. Look, it's tough for Felix ogier Asim. The wins just aren't there right now. He gets knocked out 7-6, 4-6, 6-3 by Marton Fuchovic. It's an, and now with this loss, I think he's lost, what, nine of his last ten. You want to go beyond that. Felix has now lost... Not just nine of his last 10, but 12 of his last 14. You look for him in this 2022 season. He's 14 and 17 overall. Obviously still has Florence title, Antwerp title, Basel title, Paris semifinals to defend the rest of this season. That's a ton of points for a guy who currently, what, is sitting at 15 in the rankings. Could take a precipitous fall outside the top 30, maybe, heading into Australia. I'll say this. I know the wins aren't there. The level has gotten significantly better. I watched the Runa match. He was broken twice. That match was level, other than he blinked once to start the match. You know, broken in his opening service game. Runa connects on a couple of down the line passes to break him the second time. You know, this match, one of four. He faced four break points. He was broken three total times in this loss. I thought he was much more patient with his forehand than he has been of late. Again, Fucevic connected on a couple of passes to break him in that third set. Got a little, you know, Felix with an incredible track down, flick of the wrist, forehand pass to fight off one of three match points he fought off. Ultimately, he misses probably the easiest return he had on the fourth match point. His level's getting better. He's moving better in and out of corners. There's just more consistency in everything he's doing. Again, the result's not there yet, but the level is certainly improving in what I have seen from Felix Ogier, Ali Asim, but... Again, he is your twelfth and final upset of round number two. Again, Runa, Zverev, Tiafo, Demon, Felix, Nori, Musetti, Struff, Greek Sport, Davidovich, Chokina, Lechetchka, and Echeverry all knocked out in the uh, in round number two in their opening matches. Round number three again. Three and a half upsets. Let's start by the one that was most surprising. Certainly Diego Schwartzman is having himself a week 643676. He knocks off Taylor Fritz again. You look for a Schwartzman who overall in this 2023 season 15 and 25 overall, which means he came in 12 and 25 overall on the year still even with this week winning fewer than 40% of his matches this season. I mean, it's the way he's done it, three sets in each of his matches over, what, five, uh, over seven and a half hours on court between the three matches that he's played as a wild card into the main draw. Again, outside the top 100 still, but with this result now, he's back up to at least number 112 in the live rankings I mean, he just grinded Fritz down. Fritz played extraordinarily tentative, and you know Fritz has been dealing with some injuries of late, snuck out a three-set win in his opening match uh, of the event over Yasuki Watanuki. But man, Schwartzman just matched the physicality. He found the angles. He just continued. It was a vintage Schwartzman performance in the sense that he just continued to fight. On every point that there was no quit, that the physicality that's been so thoroughly lacking for him this season was there. in every point that he played, again, Fritz comes up with this ridiculous backhand down the line winner after a 25-shot rally, 5-4 in that third set breaker. Schwarzman right back to the line, grinds him down for a mini break at 6-5. Manages to close things out after Fritz Nets a backhand. Again, Schwartzman was just in the fight, showing off a little bit of everything. Now, he's 4-1 against Nikolas Yari, his round of 16 opponent. I don't know how he has any gas left in the tank. I think this is a beautiful opportunity for Yari to reach the quarterfinals. And by the way, should Nicolas Yari do exactly that, he will be up... To number 21, which would be a new career high for the Chilean. Wins over Senego in round number two. Qualifier Trevor uh Terrence Atman, excuse me, in round number one. I mean, it's just again, after no signs of life. None. Vintage Diego this week in Shanghai. It's been fantastic to see. It's been fantastic to see Sebby Korda find this form of late. Korda, again, making semifinals in Winston-Salem, making semifinals in Zhuhai, finals in Astana before the three-set loss to Manorino. Now into the round of 16, knocks off Daniil Medvedev, 7-6-6-2, was down two set points in that opening set breaker. Korda, big serve to draw the error from Medvedev on set point number one. Medvedev, a double fault on set uh, set point number two, but more than anything against arguably the best returner on hard courts, not named Novak Djokovic in the world right now. Korda faced one break point in this match. He went unbroken. He made 76% of his first serves. He won over 70% of both his first and second serve points when Korda steps into his forehand It's just turned into an absolute missile. And now Cordo with this result, 27 right now in the live rankings. You look for Sebi Cordo for him to be in that spot considering how much of a calendar he missed, considering he's played just 37 matches this year and What you look at, those 37 matches, 4 plus 3 is 7, plus 5 is 12, plus 3, excuse me, plus 2 is 14, plus the U.S. Open. He's played 15 of those 37 matches since the the last week of August. So that's in a six-week span. He's played 15 of those 37 matches. It's enough to keep him inside the top 30. Again, it's his second victory over Medvedev this season. I'm not reading too much into this Medvedev loss. He double faulted on a set point away. Yeah, the second serve continues to be an issue for him relative to where it was at points in 2020, 2021, But Daniil Medvedev is one of the five best players in the world, and Korda just had one of those performances where on this surface he had enough time to get into his playbook. Again, against Medvedev in particular, Medvedev gives him time, which is the one thing Sippy Korda needs more than anything else. Even his slice was giving Daniil Medvedev issues. Look, you guys know I'm the probably number one stockholder. Of Sebi Corda. I said in December of last year, I thought he was going to end this season as the number one American man. And in a season that's featured so many breakouts from American men, Corda really the one guy who didn't after the month. Well, he had the best month of January, and maybe that month was the best month any guy has had amongst the American men this season. But outside of that, he hadn't done much. He's done much more over the course of these last six weeks, just reminding everyone in the tennis world more broadly, why uh, he is one of those guys heading into The next five to seven year run again, a fantastic victory over Medvedev sets up a first career matchup with Francisco Sarandolo, who gets a seven, five, third set win over Fucevic to advance in round number three, Sarandolo, also a first set win, six and six over Mackie McDonald. Fantastic win for the Argentine. Uh, 21 in the world is the 25 year old. That feels about right. Given the weapons he possesses, the physicality he can play with. And the fact that, yeah, the backhand's a little stiff, but he hits through it plenty well. Again, streaky would be the word that comes to mind for Francisco Serendolo, but certainly we know what that ceiling is. A good round of 16 performance for him at this 1,000-level event. And, you know, again, the other two seeds knocked off Dimitrov six and four over Karen Hatchinov. Do you need to hear me say it for a fifth consecutive week? Grigor Dimitrov is quietly having one of the best seasons of his career. Dimitrov now 35 and 18 overall on the year. That win percentage, 63%, third best of his career, trails just the twenty seventeen season where he went forty-nine and nineteen. And then of course his breakout twenty fourteen season when he went fifty and seventeen. But Again, six and four over Hatchnov went unbroken in the match, won 85% of his first serve points, and it's just gliding around the court. His plus one was better than Hatchinov's on this day, as was his fluidity in in out of corners. Again, not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination for a Hatchinov who does seem to have regained pretty close to his pre-injury form. It was a one break match that made the difference. Grigor ultimately earning that break again, the 7664 victory for the Bulgarian to set up what is always a tricky matchup. He's going to face the buzzsaw that is top seed Carlos Alcaraz. And yeah, Alcaraz struggled a bit with Dan Evans in his round of 32 match. But were you ever in doubt? I wasn't. He alcaraz it up 7-6-6-4. He advances to the round of 16. You look for Carlos Alcaraz now again. I feel the pressure to mention this as frequently as possible because it doesn't get mentioned enough. 63-8. and 8. He's won 63 of his 71 matches this season he could win 70 wins, as hit 70 wins. He probably, no, no, no. He will, not he could, he will win 70 matches this season as a 20-year-old. Pantheon. Put it in the pantheon of 21 and under seasons. We've seen an ATP tour history. Won a slam title, semifinals, all three he played. Masters titles as well. He was the world number one at times this year. He freaking beat Djokovic in five sets in a Wimbledon final. It's a pantheon age 21 and under season being had by Carlos Alcaraz. Appreciate history as it goes. Uh, I expect him to get through Dimitrov, as again, I just think it's a bad matchup uh, for the Bulgarian. Heavy topspin into that one-handed backhand. Yes, he's moving well. Yes, he's strong. But I don't know if he's Alcaraz strong. Good win for Dimitrov. Uh, Hatchnov over Di, uh, Dimitrov over Hatchnov and then Ugo Umber, seven five in the third. He knocks off Stefano Tsitsipas. You look for Tsitsipas since the end of what Wimbledon. He wins Los Cabos. Since winning Los Cabos, he's gone four and six overall. Four and six since winning Los Cabos. Losses to Montfi Stricker. Molchan and Umber during that stretch of time. It's puzzling. It's puzzling. Now again, it's uh you look for Ugo Umbert who's had Sitsipas's number in their head-to-heads in their career. You look for Ugo Umbert now in this career head-to-head. I believe he's now uh, three and one overall in that matchup. Lefty, big serve, big weapons into the one-handed backhand of Sitsipas, that's been a problem. For Stefanos, who in this match converts two of eight break point chances, wins just 16% of his first serve return points. Felt like any time Umber was able to find that Tsitsipas backhand with the first serve, again, he won the point. The recipe is simple, and if you have the weapons to execute it, there's a pathway to beating Stefano Tsitsipas, despite the fact that he will stay competitive with his first serve, with his first forehand, which keep him competitive in every match that he plays. He had opportunities, no doubt, in this one against Umber, but... Again, that's the problem with CC Passes. The game plan to beat him is just abundantly clear for everyone on. You know, again, if we can see it as commoners, you know there are players on tour who are ready to scout against that. And so, again, I don't know how shocking that is for given Ugo Umber's form of late. And of course, for Umber now 40 and 23 overall on the season, 63% win percentage. He's up to 33 in the live rankings now. After Manorino won Astana, that means there's now a 10-ranking gap between he and Manorino, but that 10-ranking spots is just 171 points. Um Bear's still alive in the Shanghai round of 16. We still have the Paris Masters, Vienna, other things on the board. That race for the number one Frenchman is very much alive, and we've talked about it a lot of late here on this show, so we'll leave that to the side for now. But just worth bringing to everyone's attention. I mean, outside of that, pretty straightforward. Casper dominated 4 2 over Eubanks. Rublev 3 0 over Manorino. Again, Tommy surviving 6 4 in the third over Fee. That was a really fun match. And again, I, I could talk Arthur Fee all day, but boy is Tommy's athleticism. You feel like he's still putting together all the pieces and yet can still show off doing a little bit of everything. J.J. Wolf matching Arnaldi's physicality. His serve, his forehand are just the biggest weapon. In just about every match that's played, again, barring a match against an Alcaraz or something of that nature, 7-6 in the third for J.J. over uh, Arnaldi to reach the round of 16. And again, J.J. will very quietly a top 50, 60 season. He's 58 right now in the live rankings, but that means you can play whatever rent you want for the 24-year-old as he enters the prime of his career. You look at the matchups in the round of 16, which is where I want to end today's show. We'll go through all of them here quickly in a rapid-fire fashion. I'll bring in the tennis abstract singles forecast as well. Alcaraz, 79.3% favorite. He's 3-0 in the career head-to-head with Grigor Dimitrov. Heavy topsman, one-handed backhand. It's just a bad matchup for Grigor, because Alcaraz can match Grigor's athleticism and will have the physicality to do the things he wants to do all match long. Again, Schwartzman 4 1 in the career head to head with Nicolas Yari. Yari, a 58.9% favorite, nevertheless, according to Tennis Abstract. And again, I just don't know how Schwartzman has any gas left in the tank. So give me Yari. Umber versus Wolf is interesting. Umber, one love in the career head-to-head. He's a 63.6% favorite. That match has 7-6 first set written all over it. They're going to be serve plus wanting each other to death. I'm going to take Ugo, but I don't feel good about it. Give me Ugo 6-3 in the third. I just think JJ... No, Ugo 4... 4- no, Ugo 6-3 in the third... I think J.J. will just lose his legs, unfortunately, at the end of that third set, given the matches he's had to play to this point. And then, maybe the marquee matchup in that top half of the draw round of 16-wise. Rublev versus Paul. Rublev 4-1 in the career head-to-head, 61.4% favorite, but Tommy's got counters to all the things Andre wants to do. Now, Andre's pace into Tommy's forehand, given how risky that forehand can be, that could be an issue for Tommy, but... He's been hitting that forehand with far better pace of late. He plays the backhand with enough depth, enough angle, enough variety that it can give Rublev some problems. He hits that down the line so well to keep Rublev from cheating over on that ad side. The kick serve Tommy hits into that Rublev backhand will give Tommy plus one opportunities to avoid the Rublev forehand. Tommy has more counters than he once did. You can see why structurally Rublev is 4-1 in the career head-to-head. I'm going to take... I went against JJ. I'm going to take Tommy to get to the quarterfinals. I want another Tommy Alcaraz matchup in the semifinals. It's the matchup we deserve because it was so fun when those two went head to head in North America. So I'll take Tommy over Rublev. I'll take Casper over Fabian Marozan again. It's been a fantastic run for Marozan, but Cas Casper's uh, finally starting to play some really good ball here down the home stretch. Uh, Harkots versus Jung Zhizhen is going to be 7 6 in the third. Your guess is as good as mine. Shelton versus Sinner is fascinating. Again, this is Ben's best non slam result of the season. Firepower versus firepower. A lot of matches on Sinner's legs, dating back to last week in Beijing. Certainly, Ben has the sort of firepower to at least keep pace with Yannick. I'll take the Sin Man. I'm always taking the Sin Man. You all know that, and you'll hear more about that tomorrow with DK. And then Sarundala versus Korda is fascinating. Sarandolo <sighs> wants to hit that inside-out forehand to set up the inside-in, but Corda's backhand kind of takes that away from him at the same time. No, I'm taking Sebi. Sebi's just played better of late. He's been more consistent of late. I actually think his ceiling's a little bit higher, although in a slower, higher-bouncing hard court, God have mercy with that low forehand. I'm going to take Sebi to get through. He's a 58.7% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract Singles forecast. I'll stick to my guns here. I'll take that. And by the way, if all my matchups hold true, Alcaraz versus Yari, Umber versus Tommy, Rude versus, I'll say Hurkacz over Zhang Zhizhen, Sinner versus Korda, I'm in. If those are our start of October 1,000-level quarterfinal matchups, no matter what permutations we get, I think we're going to have some fun to end the week in Shanghai. That said, that will do it for today's show. Again, we will be back tomorrow with DK to catch up on all the other storylines we've missed from Beijing. I'll get his perspective as well. Fresh set of eyes on all things Shanghai We'll be back to break it all down as we look f- forward to a fun home stretch to the 2023 season. Of course, the reason we're able to produce all the content we do is because of the tireless efforts of our super producer, Danny Westoff who, as always, has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out to him. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. Of course, we also want to point your attention to, again, some of the other content we have right now available for you at Cracked Rackets. If you missed my conversation with U.S. Open doubles champion Rajiv Ram. You can check that out at the Cracked Interviews podcast. Again, if you want to learn more about the ITA All-Americans, check out the Great Shot podcast feed. You want to hear more about the Challenger Level Action, be sure to check out that show as well as we will continue to... Keep you updated on all things happening in the tennis world across our various podcasts. With that said, though, for now, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.